Hey there, welcome back. Okay, I have been promising that I was going to do a show on chaos gardening. And I did do a little bit of research on it. And I only did a little bit of research on it because there's not much out there. I, I looked, but there just not that much in the way of content that other people have put either on YouTube or that I could find anyway. And so, you know, when I, I heard this term, chaos gardening, a couple years ago, and I thought, ooh, that sounds interesting, because it sounds kind of like what I'm already doing. And so I thought we would just kind of talk about that today. By the way, if you're new here, welcome to the Edible Gardens podcast. I'm your host, Nanette Blair, and I'm so glad that you found us because I'm on a mission. My mission is to make good food accessible to everyone, and in my opinion, The best definition of good food is nutritious, delicious, and safe, and it doesn't get any better than picking fresh fruits, herbs, veggies, straight off the plant where you know what went into it from start to finish. And you won't find any tomato cages here. As a matter of fact, there's a lot you won't find here, including pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, or any of the other sides. But what you will find here are landscapes that are designed for beauty, fun, reflection, entertaining, and the list goes on to whatever you want. After all, it's your home, your yard, and your taste, and beauty truly is in the eye of the beholder. Okay, you know that garden you've been thinking about? Well, I know you're ready. I know I'm ready. So let's dig in. Well, I didn't realize that I was already doing chaos gardening, basically, This all goes back to observation. I always say that the number one takeaway for me in taking the permaculture design course was observe, 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 observe. And what I watched happening out in my gardens is that a plant falls over. Let's just say it's something like a radish seed. If that seed or that stalk falls over, it becomes dead, right? It, it just loses all the life in it. It falls over to the ground or maybe something steps on it. Maybe the wind pushes it over. Maybe it takes a beat down from a rain or something, but it falls down and wherever it's touching the soil, if you leave it there for any length of time, it's just going to start all those little seeds and that little seed pod are going to start growing. If there's enough moisture, the temperatures are right, whatever that plant requires to germinate, then it is going to germinate after it has good contact with the soil and the stars are aligned and the temperatures are right. Okay. So this is one of the things that I have just noticed. Now on my asparagus plants, it's an asparagus fern. Okay. Now if it gets heavy because it has a lot of seeds on it, or it takes a beat down from the rain, or it gets pushed over or blown over, whatever the case may be, and that seed falls to the ground, or even the, the, the frond with, you know, the fern, it, it falls over and it's still on, the seed is still on the plant, but it falls down to the ground. If it gets left there long enough, it's going to, that seed's eventually going to drop. And that one's more like a ball. It looks kind of like a big BB, kind of like, you know, like a musket shot. It falls over to the ground. And if it's in contact with the soil for long enough, then it's going to start growing a new plant. Uh, What else have I seen this with? Let's just say sunflower seeds. Sunflower seeds, uh, birds like to eat sunflower seeds. So a lot of times I will see a sunflower plant growing somewhere 
I know I never planted it. I probably should have planted <laughs> one time I saw, I think it was last year, I saw some sunflowers coming up by the barn. And I thought, I know I didn't plant those there. It, but I'm sure what happened was a bird ate some seed and then it flew over and it pooped out some sunflowers there. It could have been a squirrel. I don't know what it was, but it goes through the, the, the stomach of an animal and then it goes through that whole um, scarification process. It does that naturally through the gut, through the bile, through that acidic part of an animal's stomach and it gets put down somewhere else. Okay, maybe it could be that a squirrel got some pecans and thought, I'm going to hold these away somewhere where nobody else can find them and I'm going to bury them in the soil over in the spot over here. That there's no pecan trees anywhere near there, but yet there's a pecan, a little pecan tree growing somewhere where you didn't plant it, where there's no pecan trees anywhere near there. It's just that observation of seeing what nature does naturally. Then you have things, and we've talked about this many, many times, is good self-seeders. Things like snapdragons, things like dill, catmint, um, things like zinnias, four o'clocks, all kinds of stuff that are really good self-seeders. They just drop their seed and then a new plant grows. Cilantro is another really good one. Parsley is another really good one. There's just so many. And I just see this happening over and over again. And I thought, why in the world? I figured this out years ago. Why in the world am I going to all the trouble to, with my trowel, with my little spade, and I go along and then I dig into the dirt and I try to plant the seed at the depth that the seed packet says. Why am I going to all that trouble? Because I can see what's happening naturally in nature, the way that God does it. Why not just do that? Okay, so, you know, like where I have a whole bunch of cilantro coming up on their own. I don't ever plant cilantro anymore. It just comes up by itself. Unless I start some in the greenhouse because I'm going to sell them or I'm going to give them away or something like that then why would I go to the trouble of taking my trowel, digging a little trench and planting everything to the required, I'm doing my air quotes here, the required depth for that seed? Why go to the trouble when I can just toss it on the ground and I know it's going to grow? Now, the one caveat to that is it needs to have good contact with soil. So if I have just put down brand new fresh mulch, the way that I say to do it in that, um, you know, edifilgardens.com forward slash start. If you're starting a brand new bed, no till, putting the mulch right on top of the sod, all that. It, that won't work. You can't just plant seeds into mulch, like a foot thick of mulch. That won't work. It needs to have good contact with soil. So it needs to be some kind of soil that's already um, there. Okay. So, but other than that... <laughs> I've just been practicing chaos gardening and I really didn't even know that's what it was called. But now I know that's what it's called. I just, I had my suspicions, but I have been calling it spreading the love. Basically, I deadhead a zinnia flower, one that just looks like it's completely dried up, looks like it's been in a dehydrator. And I pull the, all those little petals off of the head because I know that's where the seed is. And then I just kind of go through the where the my uh, the rest of my gardens I don't worry about trying to uh, pull those 
those seeds off of that dead flower and then sprinkle them right there where they are. I can certainly do that, but I'm really kind of taking a handful of that dead, uh, that dead flower, which has the seeds in it, and I'm either collecting it and putting it in a jar, putting it somewhere for safekeeping if I want to plant some, you know, somewhere else or in the greenhouse or something. But, and I take it to a part of the garden where there's never been zinnias before. Okay. And then I just sprinkle that around kind of like salt and pepper. (laughs) It's kind of like I'm putting salt and pepper on my garden. And I just let the wind just carry it to wherever. And sometimes they do kind of show up where I don't want them to show up. Like, you know, I found cilantro in the lawn this year or last year, whatever it was. You know what? I don't worry about it. All I do is just mow over it. It's not a big deal. And it doesn't last that long anyway. It's not going to last through summertime. It's only a spring type. It just kind of looks like a weed in the spring (laughs) because it's really, really green right there when the rest of the grass is still kind of um, dormant in its kind of brown dormant state. So, um, yeah, I mean, I do that with a lot of things. I pull the, the, I know, I've talked about this so many times, but this is what chaos gardening is. I just pull the dead seeds or the little brown seeds off of a basil plant and I'll just sprinkle them somewhere else where I want the basil next year. Now that's the tricky part to it is you have to know that wherever you're you're sprinkling stuff, it's going to come up somewhere. And if you don't write it down, hey, I just sprinkled a bunch of stuff like in a garden journal or someplace like a diagram where you've written it out. And I do have another freebie for that. It's at edifilgardens.com forward slash design where I give how I do all of my designing with, you know, all the permaculture principles with dynamic accumulators, with nitrogen fixers, with um, insectary plants, all that kind of good stuff. But you can go grab that at edifilgardens.com forward slash design. I have a lot of freebies now, which I'm really excited about. But you want to write that down somewhere because if you're really excited about having a bunch of cilantro come up, a big cilantro patch or asparagus or whatever it is that you just kind of threw those seeds out there, there's going to be some things I know are not going to come up until next spring or this fall because the temperatures are just not right. We're still experiencing almost 100 degrees in temperatures. And some of these things that I'm talking about need a temperature of 75 degrees. I don't like to do what they were doing. They were mixing all of their spare seeds, you know, all their miscellaneous seeds together in some of these videos and some of these articles that I found. They were uh, mixing up a whole bunch of different seeds and then just broadcasting them everywhere. Because I do edible landscaping, I don't want it to look chaotic. Now, there was a video where someone was doing it, where they were showing how they planted it. And then there was another video. I don't know if it was the same people where it was showing everything was all growing up together. And the really cool thing about it, and it looked like these two guys were like, maybe one was a... Uh, an official farm. They looked very official. Seemed to me, and they didn't say exactly, that one of them was maybe from a university or maybe from the extension agent's office. And then the other one was from the farm or from a seed company. And they were showing, you know, one of them was showing the other one while he was doing. Well, the guy that appeared to be 
coming from um, a school or the extension agent's office was saying how impressed he was that, that he's seeing all these squash plants, but he wasn't seeing any squash bugs. Well, this is just from mixing everything up, right? This is why I say, I've been saying for a long time, ever since I figured out edible landscaping is the ticket, because you're mixing everything up. You're mixing up marigolds and you're doing companion planting and you're mixing, you know, basil, planting that next to your tomatoes and you're, you're putting uh, nasturtiums next to your cucumbers, whatever and however you decide to do it and make it look the way that you want it to look. Again, that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. When I was going through the permaculture class, I, I loved, I thought it was a beautiful thing that they were showing all the bounty. But to me, it just looked kind of like a jungle. And I didn't want that. It was just too chaotic looking. And so for me, I thought, well, mine's not going to look like that. I'm going to make mine look a little bit more orderly than that. But again, it's beauty is truly in the eye of the beholder. If you're doing something like this in your front yard, even if you think it looks beautiful, does your P, do you have a POA or an HOA? That's a property owner's association or a homeowner's association, which ugh, I just hate those things. But some people have those and you have to deal with those. And I'm glad I don't. I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that. Oh my gosh. Oh, I would just cry. <laughs> but, but some people do have that. So you have to take that into consideration. Uh, you know, some POAs and some HOAs require that you only have certain plant species in your front yard. So this may be something that you can only do in your backyard. But Okay, so I, I pull the seeds off the plant and I just throw them on the ground. And you know how we've talked about this before when we talk about germination rates? They're probably not all going to germinate. If you throw down a hundred cilantro seeds, you're probably, you're not going to get a hundred cilantro plants because the germination rate, let's just say on a regular packet, of seeds. I have a company that I like to buy from and they'll put on the outside of their seed packet that it's an 85% germination rate. If you're spreading them out over a big area, then you would just need to keep that in, in mind. Um, but sometimes a bird's going to come along and eat it, especially if you're just throwing it right on the ground. So I guess I should say that's the danger of doing it this way. Birds like to eat seeds. And there's also some other things, I guess, maybe lizard, you know, like a field mouse or something like that would come by and eat your seeds. A squirrel, maybe. A vole or a mole. I don't know. That's always a possibility, especially if it's a bigger seed and they can see. A lettuce seed, they probably, you know, <laughs> they can't see that. They're just too tiny. A carrot seed is just too tiny. Um, by the way, if you do this and you're going to just be what I call spreading the love, we're going to call it chaos gardening. You're just pulling the seeds off of the plant and throwing them on the ground. It's a really good idea to water the soil first, especially if it's tiny seeds, because something like carrot seeds or lettuce seeds are just going to have the possibility of just blowing away. So I would water the ground first. I would also just kind of, if you just have brand new fresh mulch on your beds, I would pull that mulch back first just to get to the bare soil water the soil 
and then, um, you know, just kind of sprinkle your seeds on the ground. And then I would not put that mulch back on something like a tiny little seed like lettuce seed or carrot seeds or something like that. You really don't want to bury that seed. You're just going to let it's just going to be on the ground. Now, if you're doing something like pumpkin seeds or you're doing, which those are pretty good size. uh, If you're doing something like zucchini, you're doing something like a pea or a bean. You can just kind of push them down with your thumb, just push them down into the ground. But again, that's not really chaos gardening. Chaos gardening is just pulling them off the plant and throwing them on the ground. If you already have the parent material. Now, if you are brand new to gardening and your soil has not been tested, I don't mean the soil fertility test off to a lab somewhere to see what kind of soil fertility. I mean, you haven't ever grown anything in there. You don't really know. Is it sandy? Is it clayey? Is it um, something you don't know? you don't know anything about that soil because it's not tried and true, then I wouldn't do this. I I really wouldn't do this. This is for something that you already have the plant material there and you just have so many seeds, you don't know what to do with them. Then you're going to just pull those off and toss them on the ground or maybe toss them on the ground in another part of the garden. Um, But again, I would make sure that I write it into a diagram somewhere where I I make myself a note because you're not going to probably see those seedlings start to emerge or germinate until maybe next spring when the temperatures are right. Okay. It's just something that you might want to kind of keep an eye on. I personally don't do row covers. I don't do any, I don't try to provide any kind of protection for a late frost. If it's something that will come up in the in the springtime, and let's just say we have an exceptionally warm spring, things start to poke out, you know, the seeds start to germinate, they start poking out their little green heads, and then you get a late frost in spring, which happens, it happens sometimes, then um, it's a possibility that you could lose that plant or that seed, Ling, because... It, it got a late frost. So that's something you might want to take into consideration with chaos gardening as well. The only reason I think that I do this now is because I just have so many seeds. I collect my own seeds. And then whenever I get tired of collecting them and putting them up so that I can either sell them or maybe I'm planting them in the greenhouse to sell those plants, then... I just have so many seeds. I'm like, ah, I'm tired of collecting these seeds. (laughs) You know, I'm just done. I don't want to collect any more seeds. I don't have time for it or whatever, but I hate to see those seeds go to waste. So I will pull them off the plant and just toss them on the ground. I think, you know, they'll just come up later. They'll just come up sometime. That's chaos. To me, that's part of the chaos process. It's not just the process of just tossing them on the ground. It's a process of maybe they'll come up, maybe they won't you know, or maybe they'll come up this year. Maybe it'll be next year. Sometimes it might be, it comes up two or three years later for whatever reason. Maybe it does get put under a piece of mulch. That's the size of my little fingernail. And if that's the case, then that mulch over time breaks down and it it composts in place, right? It goes back to the soil. Then, then it can see the light of day. I can't tell you how many times I have seen or have heard people ask me, 
I don't know what happened. We cleared out some brush over there or we, we burned some brush or in a field out there and all these watermelons just started coming up. And I said, I have seen that so many times where someone had a watermelon patch and for whatever reason, those seeds just, um, just didn't grow. And then they got covered, they got covered, they got covered, and then they got disturbed. And then now all of a sudden you have all these seeds seeing the light of day getting moisture, all the stars are aligned, everything's right. And now there's a new watermelon patch coming up out there. So it could be a couple of years. Again, I would do this with seeds that I don't really care. It's not that important if they come up or not. This is not a crop I'm depending on to go take to the farmer's market or put in my pantry or freeze or can or that we really want to eat on. It's not anything I'm really depending on. It's just because I have a ton of seeds. That's really the only reason why I do this and I'm tired of collecting them. So and that is chaos gardening. That's my story and I'm sticking to it because not a lot of other people have claimed it. I'm going to claim that I have been doing this for a long time and I didn't know what it was called. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. But it's really cool. And if you have a lot of, let's just say you have a lot of cilantro and you let them go to seed and now you have a ton of seed and you don't want to collect them, which by the way, with cilantro, when it goes to seed, it is now coriander. You can put those in a spice jar and keep them in your kitchen. And now you have coriander. It's a spice. By the way, another thing about that is this is so fun to do with my grandkids or even my kids. I'm walking through my, my garden and my 30 something year old kids, I say, here, you help me plant some seeds. And they're like, you're looking at me like, uh, this is not my thing, mom. I know it's your thing, but it's not really my thing. So I can just hand them some flowers and I say, well, walk with me and we'll talk and we'll walk and, and I'll say, okay, just talk. They'll see, I'll say, just do what I'm doing. They'll see what I'm doing. And then I'm just kind of tossing them. And they're like, oh, okay, I can do that. But the kids really love to do it. This, I have six grandkids, five boys, one granddaughter. And the granddaughter especially loves flowers. And she likes to do the flowers. She'll say, yeah, let's go plant some seeds. She knows it's not that hard of work. You know, we'll just pull them off the plant and crumble them up, toss them on the ground. So... I know I've said that so many times and you're tired of hearing it, but it's just too easy. It's just too easy. I got all of this from just observing, 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 observing. That is the most useful tool in your garden tool belt is your own observation. And this is one of the things I'm going to say, do as I say, not as I do, <laughs> because I always think I need to write these thoughts down because I'll see something going on in my garden and I need to write it down. I think I want to write it down just for posterity for myself. Um, I want to write it down. What if something happens to me and uh, my husband who will still live here or my kids will say, I wonder why she did what she did. I really want to just write everything down. And I just don't do that as much as I wish that I did. I really wish that I did this. Sometimes I'll take out my note. Um, there's an app on your phone where you can make yourself like a voice memo. And I think, oh, yeah, that's all fine and good. I will you know, keep it and maybe I'll find it <laughs> later someday. Uh, voice memos are kind of like pictures. It's kind of like you take so many and then you can't find them again. 
But I really want something that's in my own hand, you know, that I, it's in my own handwriting, a journal, something that I, where I wrote things down, my observations of what I saw happening in my garden. But observations, if I could say there's one thing, and I know I've said this many times, but I'm going to say it again, that was my big takeaway from the permaculture design course. And that was observe, observe what mother nature's already doing. And you can do that without even having a garden. Just take a walk in the woods. And this is what is so cool. <laughs> Just to, to wrap this show up is that you once you start observing, then you start to see the patterns in the chaos. It all looks chaotic, but it's not. It's not all frou-frou-y. Oh, this is all, you know, feel-good, touchy-feely stuff. This is the science behind how I do what I do with not spraying any kind of pesticides, herbicides, or fungicides the recognizing the patterns in the chaos. So yeah, I'm not going to get into that today. I think we're going to get into that more in future episodes, but I think that'll do it for this one. Remember, this podcast is dedicated to you so that we can all put good food on the table. Until next time, y'all stay safe out there. Bye for now.